Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the October episode of The Delicious Podcast with me, Jilly Smith. This week we find out how food waste has become central to the cooking of both eco-chef Tom Hunt and Madonna favourite Scully Gingell. We talk to Yotamata Lenghi about his new book, Simple. We meet fashion guru turned spilt farmer Roger Saul and BBC radio food favourite turned TV star Nigel Barton. But first, Karen Barnes, editor of Delicious Magazine, with her opinion piece on what's excited her most about the food news in her inbox this month. I was very interested to receive um, a news release this week about the School of Artisan Food, because in this country, as you know, we were we used to be great cheesemakers, and then it all went wrong around the time of the uh, war, and uh, and. A wonderful woman called Alison Swan Parente saw that we needed to revive forgotten skills and almost 10 years ago she opened the School of Artisan Food. And if you've never been there, it's a wonderful place to visit because you, you just get this sense of restoring forgotten skills like cheese making, beer making, bread making. And really that that gives a, an insight into the fact that we've got these pockets of new artisans all over the country people that we're trying to find when we're searching out uh, brilliant producers for our produce awards um, people doing wonderful things often working on their own um, or in very small groups crafting beautiful products for the rest of us to enjoy um, and I just thought it was fascinating because the School of Artisan Food is launching a degree in artisan food making in conjunction with Nottingham Trent University. So it's going to start in October 2019 and as I gather it can either be a two-year course or three years with a a placement with an artisan producer of some kind or maybe at the School of Artisan Food. And I just think it's a really interesting thing because it shows that artisan practices and skills are now being properly recognized and this is something that you can learn from grassroots level and maybe learn lots of different things and think what would be right for you you don't need to make a leap into just one area you can think do I want to be a cheesemaker do I want to make other things do I want to be a bread maker I think it's really important because for a long time I felt there has been so much emphasis on uh, the academic side of things which is obviously really important but if you're somebody who that isn't your skill or you are somebody who absolutely wants to do something practical and creative then 
there's not necessarily been the way to explore that and this is recognising that these skills are just as important as somebody who's sitting um, doing an engineering qualification. It's just as important that somebody, that we have people who really know how to make fantastic bread and cheese because feeding the nation with good quality food is the root of everything. Now, food writer and eco-chef Tom Hunt is not just the ambassador for Le Creuset's current Food Unearthed campaign. His Bristol Tapas Bar Poco is on the shortlist for the Sustainable Restaurant Association's Food Made Good Awards, announced on October the 1st. You can watch the winners and find out more at thesra.org. But I caught up with him to get a slice of his life. I started by asking him about the moment when he decided he could help to save the planet by cooking with food waste. Well, I feel like my whole life has played a part, um, but the key moment was when Tristram Stewart invited me to feed 200 people in Southwark Bridge using food waste. And this was shocking. I was like, okay, what, what is this? Can it, can it be done? Um, and essentially decided to kind of take it by the horns and produce this incredible meal. Um, I didn't want to take all. I didn't want to, as a chef, as an organic chef and a passionate chef who cares about quality, even though I was cooking food with food waste, I didn't want to lower my standards at all. And this absolutely surprising thing and the devastating thing is that I didn't have to. We were inundated with incredible produce from all over Britain, from organic orchards, um, veg box suppliers who were very generous, giving us loads of produce that was just past its best, but incredibly good to eat actually sometimes better than the produce that you could buy because it was ripe and and therefore at its peak flavor the the key to reducing waste really is about cooking with true creativity being excited for the produce and really learning to value the produce that we are purchasing again Mm. because somehow we've lost touch with the true value of food through our industrial food system through the way that we purchase food and the disconnection that we have from our suppliers or our farmers and our growers and is that still as true as it was i think things are definitely changing for the better i mean britain is a small country but has a really diverse population of people and obviously not everyone is eating well there's serious epidemics around hunger and obesity both as a paradox which is both confusing and worrying um and then there's people and but then there's this huge food movement of people that are caring more for the produce that they're eating and of course that's linked to climate change and our awareness that is growing around the environment and our ecology and the links that we have to it through our food system biggest inspiration this is a slice of your life who who inspired you did it come from your family or from your peers If I have to pick one, Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. So I worked at River Cottage in the early days, 2004, 5, 6, and it was incredible. Like, he is the the godfather of sustainability. I don't know if he'll appreciate that because he's still a young um, gentleman, of course. Godfather, you said, not grandfather. I said the godfather. Yes, (laughs) you're right. Um, I learned everything there about seasonality sticking to true morals about food which is what we have to do so often we buy food food blindly and it's easy to do so um a because we're human but also because of the way it's sold to us and those disconnections between 
the the kind of sales point and the origin of the food. Whereas at River Cottage, we were meeting the farmers and and butchers and kind of even butchering the meat ourselves. I'm vegetarian now, but um, then I was kind of I understood. That's where I learned to really understand meat as well as vegetables and seasonality, true seasonality. Do you cook with meat? My restaurant serves meat. Um, I don't cook with meat personally at home. But I've had to consider how we serve meat deeply within the restaurant. Um, and when I write recipes that include meat, like I did with Le Creuset, I'm always considering the sustainability of that produce and its origin and help like really trying to educate people around why that's important and what species or even scenarios that meat or fish has to come from. And staying with food waste, Sky Kitchen, the former head chef of Petersham Nurseries, where Madonna, Magella and Stella McCartney were particularly loyal customers, has launched a three-course food waste menu called Scratch at her restaurant Spring in London's Somerset House. I met her at the Abergavenny Food Festival, where she was preparing that night's Scratch feast with her main supplier, Jane Scotter of Fern Vero Farm, where she gets around 95% of her fruit and vegetables. I asked her if it was that relationship that had inspired Scratch. Um, I think it was a lot of things. Like It, it, it definitely started by um, all the really beautiful produce that we got from Jane. So it really started, I know it sounds funny, almost with cauliflower outer leaves. So we'd get these incredible cauliflowers from Jane, but the outer leaves, we, we'd, we'd break up and we'd blanch and we'd throw them on the grill. And we think, these are so delicious. Where does the word come from? The word comes from a conversation I had with an Australian friend of mine. And we were talking about food waste, and I was sort of describing what we wanted to do at the restaurant. And she went, oh, you mean scratch tea? And I was like, what's scratch tea? And she went, oh, you know, everyone calls it scratch tea in Australia. It's when you scrabble around the back of a fridge on a Sunday night and clean the fridge out. So I thought, we'll call it scratch. And then actually, I've sort of, um, every other Australian, everybody comes up to me and says, why is it called scratch? And actually, I don't think there are any other Australians that call it scratch. I think it was particularly <laughs> her family. It yeah. So, but it's sort of stuck and it's easy. Um, but it's yeah. basically using leftovers. Yeah. Now, in somewhere like Abergavenny, uh, mm-hmm. how does that work? Where are you getting your leftovers from in order to feed how many people? Well, we just happen to be very lucky that Jane's um, Scottish farm, Fern Vero, um, is really close by. So Jane's supplied all the vegetables um, for the dinner and then we've taken bread from uh, spring and we've remilled it back to flour and made a dessert. And Jane, how is it for you? Farmers need to be able to plan, you need to know so much about your customers. Mm -hmm. How important is it having somebody like Skye? Well, Skye is a dream to work with Mm -hmm. uh, purely because she is produce driven so whatever I grow really is the inspiration I guess for for the menu that's how we we do it we're supplying some really beautiful uh, squashes summer squashes called yellow crookneck and they are just sort of peaking in their production really so we've done a lot of those which is great because that's cleared a nice nice amount and has also meant that the next fruit that's coming on and nice as fall and perfect for spring and we had some chard that we had um sown a little earlier to be sort of baby leaves and they kind of got sort of slightly bigger than we would like so we put that through as as green so um yeah everyone's a winner really excellent and and sky gives a little example of what you're going to be doing with the squash and, and the chard uh with the um the little crook necks we've sliced them really finely and we've cooked them for ages and ages and ages so with chili and some sage and some olive oil so they're kind of like a mush 
and then the chard. I, I love slow cooked green vegetables, so we've sort of we've blanched that, and then we've also cooked that right down to it's sort of really dark and inky. And then all the other um, gourds and pumpkins and squash the samples. We're making um, kind of pumpkin and squash oh. tomato, and like um, a buttermilk stew. So the buttermilk's a byproduct from the butter that we make. Um, and then we're making broken rice, which is the rice that you can buy in Middle Eastern shops. By the sackful, that's just literally rice that's been broken, which is incredibly cheap, and we're um, we're cooking it with fig leaves, uh, and then at the end we've got a cake that we remill um, our rye bread um, and sourdough, a kind of combination. So we dry it out and then we remill it back to flour, and we're making a sort of it's full of spices, it's slightly Middle Eastern um, influence, and it's like a sticky syrup cake. And then we collect all the coffee milk from the coffee machines, like if you make a latte or cappuccino, and we make yogurt with it, and then we hang it to make lovely, like a strange yogurt. So, and then the um, coffee granules that come from the coffee machine that we collect with the little thing, we're sprinkling that on the top. So what we've done is we've reduced our waste in the restaurant. Like I think we probably we have something like four percent food waste now. Because the thing is, once we started doing it, and then you look into it and you realise that forty percent of all food grown it's actually just over a third in England, but it's forty percent throughout the world, never even sees a shop shelf. So it's actually enough to feed over eight hundred million people. And there's lots of things that I think about that. I also think, gosh, you're, you're putting this huge effort on the earth and you're sort of working the earth to, to the bone and then you're discarding half of it. The other thing that's incredibly nice that is enables us to do a three-course meal at spring for £20, which means it feels more egalitarian. I, I know I'm not Nelson Mandela. You know, I'm feed, feeding people who can afford to eat, you know. And so it's really nice that other people get to experience spring. So in terms of carbon footprint... Um, well, no, I mean, I guess coffee, but it's, it's sort of arrived anyway. Um, but no. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now to the newest podcaster on the block. Yotam Oshalengi, and to the book that his fans have been waiting for for years, Simple. It's not a word that you might necessarily associate with Oshalengi, but as he told me, Simple is more about ease than anything else. He doesn't think his recipes are that hard anyway. I don't think they're that challenging. I think some of my recipes, but by no, by no way the majority of them, would have a long list of ingredients and a couple of pots and pans to wash at the end of the process. 
but none of them is technically challenging. No, uh, there's just lots in it. And I suppose one of the things that you do, this one, is you say, okay, 10 ingredients. How am I going to make these with only 10 ingredients? But you've then got all the flavour bombs yeah. of the sumac, <laughs> the za'atar, the tahini, the pomegranate molasses, which exactly. is the same Ottolenghi flavours as, as, as before. As always. So, Cutting down isn't really what you've done. It's not about cutting down. Essentially what we did is we tried to break down what ease or simplicity mean for different people and for different times of the day or the week. So when you look at my old recipes, some of them, yeah, call for 15 ingredients, which or 20 ingredients, or even more, which means you need to go and get them, you need to set yourself up, you might... So it, it, it's kind of more weekend entertaining kind of commitment. It's mm. all about preparing things in advance. You know, the recipe might not be particularly short uh, in ingredients or time, but everything can be made a few hours ahead, a day ahead, and then just put together at very last minute. So that's one way of achieving ease for a particular person. For another person, ease or simplicity or, or you know, or, or effortlessness comes from just being able to knock something out in, together in, in half an hour or 20 minutes. Or for other people, it means something that you can make from things you happen to have in your cupboard, in your yeah. cupboard, you know, so all the, your spices and dry ingredients. And we broke them down into a very simple way of understanding it, and that's according to the, the five-letter S-I-M-P-L-E, and each one stands for, stands for a different way of cooking simply. So go on then, S stands for? So S stands for uh, short. Uh, so it, doesn't, it wouldn't take you more than half an hour to cook. I stands for ingredients, 10 ingredients or less. For With the flavor bomb. <laughs> With the flavor bomb. For Otolenghi cooks, 10 ingredients is not much. Yeah. So that's ingredient. M stands for make ahead stuff. You can make ahead and put together at the last minute. P stands for pantry. Uh, the kind of dishes that you cook from things that you happen to have in your pantry. Rice, pasta, your spices your tahini paste if you're not a Langi fan and if not you should go and get your tahini paste ASAP uh, pantry L stands for lazy those are the kind of dishes that are normally cooked uh, at one point are going to kind of cook themselves within a few hours uh, a, a stew or something that kind of bubbles away or in the oven for a long time and then it's just cooked mm -hmm. and E stands for uh, easier than you think and those are the kind of dishes that people say oh that's very chefy very restauranty, like an ice cream or a pizza uh, I don't do that in my at home on a regular basis. But actually, the the way we approach it, the way I kind of uh, suggest to cook it in the recipes, are kind of easier than you kind of imagine, and you can put it together with very little effort. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I think it's it's a book for cooks. I would say that if you're the kind of person who is going to play with pomegranate molasses and tahini and harissa, you're already a cook. I, I, I tend to disagree with that. I think that pomegranate molasses and tahini and harissa are the olive oils and mozzarella cheese of 30 years ago or 20 years ago. So, you know, now everybody has olive oil and most people have an olive oil bottle in their cupboard and people know what to do with mozzarella and know how to cook with olives or eat olives. So, in a sense, it's just about a sense of familiarity. You don't need to be an accomplished cook in order to cook with pomegranate molasses. Okay, I didn't mean an accomplished cook. I meant a cook. Somebody who is prepared to look in a cookbook and take a dive yes. into the unknown. That's yeah. what, to me, yeah. a cook So, again, I, I don't want to be too picky about this, but I think the people who read cookbooks and, uh, and, and want to learn something else that they haven't been taught by their parent or by their peers. Yes, not everybody does that, but I think more and more people 
have cookbooks, look into them, learn about something new about it, and then put that book aside and say, okay, I feel like I, I've mastered it. I know how to drizzle tahini yeah. over my salad or roasted vegetables. And I'm, what I'm saying is that it's, those are little steps. And this book and other the things that I've done and other things that other people do, and I'm by no means the only one who does that, is take you through these little steps in mm. order to inject confidence in you, mm. make you feel like you can cook, and if you can cook, you can have fun, you can enjoy, and that's yeah. what life is all about. And you can hear much, much more from Yotam next week in the delicious leftovers of that interview. Fashion guru Roger Saul was the man behind the It Bag. But he swapped mulberry handbags for sacks of spelt when circumstance led him to think about what life was really all about. I met him in Yeovil at his Kilvercourt Lifestyle Emporium and Restaurant to ask him how and why he became a spelt farmer. Well, serendipitously, um, the farm around a house came up for sale at the same time and it had been a, a dairy farm and it wasn't making any money like that. So a 500-year-old estate that hadn't been together. And so we, we bought it, turned it back into a deer park, started organic farming and started growing spelt. Now, you grew spelt because your sister became ill with cancer and encouraged you, introduced you to the idea of spelt as a healthy food. Well, bizarrely, Rosemary had little to do with my my fashion career at all, other than designing the mulberry tree as an artist, um, annexing or, or making it possible to have my own coat of arms, which is the Wyvern on the Sharp and Park brand, and then saying to me, in latter stages of cancer, Roger, why don't you grow spelt? As we just bought the farm, and I went to have a look on the internet, and there was one page on spelt. There are now millions mm-hmm. of entries, and it just had this wonderful appeal. Hildegard von Bingen has said in medieval Germany, um, "Good for the mind, good for the body, good for the soul." Roman army used it for the marching bread, so it had obviously slow-release energy. So there were so many good things, and it tasted great. Um, so we were off. And you do like to create new things. You, you created the it bag. This Is this the it grain? Well, like all of these things, spelt was unknown, really, relatively when I started. So, But it had such lo- lovely elements to market. And food was just becoming the new fashion. So as I almost fell out of Mulberry and fell out of fashion, if you like, there was the food industry accelerating and becoming the new thing to follow. Restaurants were popping up left, right and centre, but more it was about people starting their first wave of why do I eat healthy food and what should it be? And I just thought Spelt could be the one. Mm. So the brand, fast forward, you've got this wonderful Kilvercourt designer village with a beautiful garden centre, a beautiful uh, fashion outlet, a whole sort of living space, and right in the centre of it is the shop selling the grain and the restaurant Mm. tell us about the restaurant well the restaurant again we based it on organic local seasonal and recycled so we've put old film set props in and we've got things like the Anna Karenina train at the back and we've got bits of Keanu Reeves uh, I can't remember it's 5775 Ronin that um, didn't quite make it to where it's supposed to go, but they're turned into tables. And we've got bits of Les Miserables that came out of the back of the set, so all sorts of bits and pieces. I think as I came out of Mulberry and that feeling almost that I'd been through an era of conspicuous consumption, mm. and now it felt much more important for me to start thinking, OK, well, why are we doing things? I think for all of us, I just happened to have been at the beginning of that cycle, but I think for all of us now, it's it's so present in our lives that we've got to care far more about our surroundings. And I think... Organic farming particularly helps you really think, what are you doing with your soil? You can't just keep planting the same crop. You have to make sure you're planting 
interim crops like clover that fix the nitrogen and things like that. So I've had to do a, a whole chemistry lesson backwards, which I certainly didn't do at school. Now, Nigel Barden has become one of the most popular voices in food on BBC Radio, both on Radio 2 and on BBC London, formerly the legendary GLR, where he and I first met over 28 years ago. And now he's on the telly. Simply Good Food TV, with his own show, Drive Time Dishes, with Nigel Barden. Before he told me about it, I took him back to the old days, when he was a wine man, hawking his wares around some of the biggest name restaurants in the north, where he learned his trade. Box Street, Pool Court, Miller House, Sherabay, yeah. and then starring at Harem, all these great northern places. And a young lad in his early 20s, it was fantastic. But food, drink, absolutely there. And then when I moved to London... Um, and I uh, took a year out to retrain as an actor, something I always wanted to do. But while I was there, I'd be working in restaurants and kitchens uh, to pay for my uh, drama classes. So uh, it, it, it went from there and then worked on GLR, Greater London Radio, BBC Station for London, where I met the very special Jilly Smith. You know, how many restaurant reviews were actually on the radio in those days? I don't remember very many. Um, were people really talking about food? They were beginning to, yeah, I think they were. I was, we were really... Chris Evans' warm-up uh, crew and his show on a Saturday morning. But yeah, people were beginning to. Um, uh, Egon Roney had a restaurant guy, obviously Michelin, but for most people, they were just beginning to the dawns of awakening, of culinary awakening. And it went from there. So I was, I'm still on that frequency, 94.9 uh, and uh, DAB. Uh, BBC London um, with Robert Elms. And it, it's just great to see in that time how food and drink in, is evolved in London. I mean, street food for itself, in itself, a whole other class. Yeah. And of course, most people would know you as Simon Mayo's yeah. food man on Radio 2. And you were there for how long? Eight years with Simon uh, and uh, before that, uh, four with Chris. Yeah. But when moving from uh, Radio 2, when they changed that show and, and the very special Joe Wiley came in uh, and joined uh, with Simon, um, I was approached by Simply Good Food TV. And they said, why don't we just uh, replicate that? Um, but with a camera in front of us, but try and make it fun, slightly anarchic, and champion artisans, and that's exactly what we've done. And it's hosted by Amazon Prime Video, so actually worldwide access. That's, I mean, millions and millions. Um, and But we shot it pretty quickly, that's the idea, just to give it pace and fun. So I am cooking, uh, and, and but a lot of that's done with voiceover, to give it pace, and it's more about the guests. So uh, John Fell, uh, chef from the Rose Hill Theatre um, in Whitehaven, uh, the Green Room restaurant which he runs there, it looks like the mod father, of, he is a mod, uh, and, and, and we had a tomahawk steak that I did to start with, um, and with Coal Town Espresso coffee that's from Ammonford just uh, north of Swansea uh, and the family there uh, the James family Scott and Gordon what was great they call it the Black Gold because it was an old mining community um, and built in the early part of the last century of course that dried up the uh, black gold but the new black gold is coffee so they've set up this uh, barista school they do their own roasting and I've basically used that some chilli and put it into the tomahawk steaks these fantastic one kilo steaks from Tim and Joe Budden who are in uh, High Hacknell Farm in Devon and then there's a veggie version with sweet potato Farrington's uh, rapeseed oil um, and just a whole lot of and, and soft uh, and alcoholic drinks to go with them it's a great opportunity rather, to champion some chefs some of the dishes of my own um, and I'm down the series I'm going to be working the very special Diana Henry I've done one of her dishes which is her uh, 
uh, a flourless bitter chocolate cake, which is what she describes as the black dress, her cocktail dress of desserts, because it's pretty. She always looks good in it, uh, and it's tasty as well. That's Diana around the dish, um, and that was with a whiskey cream sauce to go with it. But really straightforward. You know, I'm, I'm not. I am the bloke that cooks. You know, I'm not trying to overcomplicate these. And in issue two, it's a turkey schnitzel. It's from Tom Kerridge's dopamine diet. When he lost all the timber, as he did 12 stone, he was basically still wanted to have a dopamine-inducing joy that comes from uh, food and cooking, um, but wanted to do it without, you know, less carbs and, and less rich food. Uh, so that's what I've done. And, and again, that was a joy. And very a la mode, because Tom's just opening in London at Kerridge's at Corinthia Hotel. Uh, but he's much loved. It's interesting because he's a, a telly chef, but, um, but a great Michelin-starred chef in his own pub, The Hand and Flowers. But he's also very human and lost lots of weight, so people can really relate yeah, to that. Yeah. Well, it's a great show. And how many in the series? Six. We shot six to start with, uh, and then world domination. Uh, but uh, but fun and funky, and, and, and very accessible. And and yeah, we want a bit of anarchy. So I'll be uh, yeah. Watch this space, Julie. And finally, to the test kitchen, where Livy from the delicious food team gives her top tip of the month. So this afternoon we've been making some caramel to go on top of some lovely cupcakes that are going into our November issue. And a top tip that we've discovered recently is that when you are making a dry caramel, normally people will just put the sugar into the pan and set it over a low heat, allow it to melt really slowly until it's all dissolved and then turn the heat up. And it takes a really, really long time. However, if you heat the pan first and get it until it's really, really hot and then sprinkle in the sugar a tablespoon at a time, it dissolves really quickly, it melts really quickly and you get your caramel a lot faster and it's actually more foolproof than doing it just from a cool pan. It is doing it straight into a hot pan. And that's it for this week. Don't forget to listen in to much more of that interview with Yotam Motolenghi in which he discusses food identity, how Israeli he feels and how he gets his kids to eat their greens. We've refreshed our website too. It's still packed with all your favourite recipes, as well as new interviews and content from all sorts of different foodies, chefs, producers and more. We've made it work beautifully on mobile, so if you're listening to the pod on the go, give it a scroll. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.